we probably don't need the standard intro for this. It's like it's a it's a very special episode tonight on a very special blossom. You should try to find some soft piano music to put under the intro. Oh, hey, Travis. Today on a very special episode of From Eight to Ziggy. I don't want to quit. <laughs> you can't make me. We're gonna we're gonna learn all about the dangers of live music. You can't make me stop going out to shows. You can't make me start going out to shows. <laughs> That's more accurate for me. Yeah. I can, actually. I'm trying. I went out to a show. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about this show. Did we ever, did we ever end up doing one for uh, Holy Holy? I, we talked about it. We recorded it. And it is all on the cutting room floor. Oh. That's unfortunate. Well, I left, I left that studio, but... Uh, I brought the floor with me. At some point, I could dig up those scraps and put something together for it. But we went yeah. to see Holy Holy. We went to see Holy Holy last last two years it ago. It was uh, almost exactly two years ago. It feels like like first week of April. It was it was very similar to now. It was the first week of April, but it felt like the first week of February. It was cold. <laughs> it was uh, and it was such a, like a sparse crowd that it was the first time I've ever been cold inside a venue because it was like. Cold outside, and then venues never have any heat on. It's always like they're always pumping AC because there's always like bodies on bodies on bodies. So I think they had like the AC on plus the fact that it was like 40 degrees outside. It was just so bloody cold. Yeah. That was a really cool show, though. Yeah, a lot of people missed out. Yeah, a lot of people missed out. I couldn't, yeah, that was this one, however, the, the, the one we're actually talking about this, uh, this afternoon, uh, the celebrating David Bowie. That was a packed house. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where to, where where to begin? So is that the uh, is that the Chevalier Theater in Medford, Massachusetts? So on the on the poster though, it's referred to as Boston. Yeah, which is that's the thing that oh, always annoys me as a as a salty New Englander. Anytime there's a show like in Massachusetts, basically as long as it's not in Worcester, if it's in Massachusetts, it'll end up on a poster saying Boston. Like whenever bands play in uh, in Mansfield, Mass, which is. It's like 45 minutes from here, maybe 40 minutes. And bands will, you know, promote it like, oh, this is our Boston show. But the thing with, with Mansfield, you can't get there without a car. And a lot of people in Boston don't have cars. You can't get here from that. Can't get here from that. There's no way to pack your car. I mean, well, there's pl- actually, there's plenty of places to pack your car. Although getting out of the parking lot, there's a nightmare. But if you don't have, if you lack a car, you cannot get there. Um, you will be stuck, and you'll have to rack up a crazy expensive Uber to get home. Um, Remember when uh, Manfred Mann played Mansfield Mass? <laughs> <laughs> it was magnificent. Um, so yeah, I skip a lot of shows that come through there because I just I can't get there. So anyway, yeah, so this is in Medford, which is a little easier to get to. It's it's a uh, it's a, it's a train to a bus, which... Uh, station to a station. It, it is literally, you, you are going from station to station. And I will always remember our, our bus that we were on was bus number 0666. It was the most metal bus I've ever been to been on in my life. It was so metal. Um, I felt like I should have been like on my way to go see Danzig and not David Bowie. But uh, So many heavy metal grandmas on that bus. So bus many too. heavy metal grandmas. There's nowhere more metal than Medford, Massachusetts. <laughs> so yeah, it was... Uh, it was a, it was a fantastic show. Now, because Thomas, because you're a, like a big fancy podcast star now, you you were very uh, 
you had the very John Hammond from Jurassic Park approach to this evening. Spared no expense. <laughs> Our lawyers recommended the finest in in live show experience. VIP baby, all the way. Got the t-shirt. Got the t-shirts and buttons and posters. I I hate to admit this, but I have my swag bag still over there. I haven't fished through it at all. Yeah, no, same. I'm afraid to touch it because I don't want to. I don't want to get my fingerprints all over it. I do have. One, I took one of the buttons out to to wear on a sweater. Yeah, yeah, but everything else, I, I still need to. I haven't made it to go uh, get a frame for my poster, which will be easier now because we have a target so much closer to JP now. Did closer to home, a yeah. target. Yeah, we got target. A target. Is it in... It's towards near, Roslindale. Neighboring town, Roslindale? Yeah. I'm excited. Friend of the show, Roslindale, friend Massachusetts. Of the show, yeah. Oh, that's a trope. That's a podcast trope. <laughs> friend of the show. Yeah. We're going to add that. That's going to go to on the list. Yeah. Also a trope talking about Target. Everyone's always talking about <laughs> their proximity to a Target. Oh, you know what I like to call Target? <laughs> I like to pretend that it's really fancy, and I call it Target. Oh! Isn't that clever? That's so clever and witty. <laughs> I hope no one else figures that out. That's that's clever. <laughs> Celebrating Bowie. Um, so, as you mentioned, you, you don't really you don't go to a lot of shows. True. I'm I'm on the other side of that. I go to a lot of shows. So what I here's what I appreciated. Uh, one of the first things I appreciated about the show is sometimes, as fun as it is to go and stand in a big sweaty pit of people, sometimes you want to have the option to just sit down. And I, I, I do really enjoy going to theater shows now. Uh, when I was younger, I, I hated it. I would much rather be on a floor jumping around and slamming around into people. Um, but yeah, love, I, I love a good theater show now. I'm, I'm old. Yeah, but the, the thing is, that singer, Bernard Fowler, he, he kept insisting that we stand up yeah. and that we make it a party. Yeah. I wasn't prepared to make it. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like to, you know, I like to get up and dance at shows sometimes. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I feel like, so if I'm remembering correctly, I'd work that morning and I'd work again the next morning. And I was just like, I just, I just want to sit and watch you guys be entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then everybody stands up and then you have to yeah. stand up and you have to clap. And then you feel really self-conscious just sort of standing there. And yeah. You like tentatively shake your booty, but it's like really. Yeah. Like just like one cheek at a time. The the crowd did one thing that always that is kind of a frustration at, at theater shows is either make the collective decision everyone stands or everyone sits. Um, and there was definitely like smatterings of people in front of us who decided to remain standing, even though like I saw them like shoot their heads around and look. They knew other people were sitting like most of the people were sitting down. Like, yeah, you want to dance, but like be considerate. No one wants to watch you dance. I'm there to watch the show. Yeah, come on, a- lady with the peacock feather in your hat. It's like take take the peacock feather out of your hat yeah it was there's a lot of uh, a lot of older folks in the crowd you could tell they were just like yes this is an excuse to like go back to my youth <laughs> and glam it out and wear the stuff i can't wear on my normal nine to five work a normal job have my boring family life like this one time I'm going to put on my like, pleather pants and my, I'm going to paint a star bolt on my face and I'm going to go crazy. So I really did appreciate that. That crowd was all in that night. Yeah. All in. Yeah. There were, there were, I, they were a lot of passionate David Bowie fans. Yeah. A lot of singing along to words that I don't know the lyrics to. So I, I have to go, I'm going to go on a, a slight tangent. So 
going into the show, as anyone who goes to any kind of public outings these days, you know, you always have to get like wanded and pass through like metal detectors and everything. So this feels like a good excuse for like my, my, like my metal detector story. Not everyone has a metal detector story. Here's my metal detector story. So about a little, you, saw, you turned around and you saw the 666 on the bus. It turns, uh, yeah. Like, yes. I've detected, I, I, I've detected metal. <laughs> so a little under a year ago, I decided I was going to, I was going to take the plunge and do the whole getting engaged thing. Congratulations. Thank you. So my whole big plan was they were doing a screening of the princess bride at the Wilbert theater with, uh, and Carrie Elwes was there. Ah, yeah. Nice. Um, and they were doing a Q and a with him after the show. Ah, uh, so like, this is perfect. We'll go, we'll go see the princess bride and I'll, you know, do this thing. We had my sister and her husband had gotten us a gift certificate for this kind of like fancy restaurant in the theater district for, uh, for Christmas. So like, yeah, fancy dinner, theater, ring, baller. So we're at this restaurant. We ended up with people sitting like basically on top of us. Like it was really like close quarters. Like, well, you people seem nice, but I don't know if I want you a part of like this, like hallmark moment in my life. Like that's a little weird. So I decided not to do it there. And it was also, the height of allergy season would added a nice little twist too. So I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll do it on the way between the restaurant and theater because we had to walk through the commons. But I was just like sneezing uncontrollably and like it was just, like my it was like it was like the Nazi at the end of uh, of Raiders of the Lost Ark, but mucus. <laughs> <laughs> it was just melting. Just mel- my face was just melting mucus from just spring happening. Um, you should have the uh, you should have the wedding in the middle of allergy season. We should. It would be and so do your romantic. Vows. Do you yeah. take this man? Achoo! I can't. I'm do- I'm so emotional. My eyes are so puffy right now. Um, so then I was gonna do it in line, like amongst all the fan people, you know. But there was a a homeless person coming up and down the line asking people for money. So I couldn't be like, I don't have any change, but I got this dope ass ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But then. So I was like, you know, I, this just isn't happening tonight. But I forgot that when you're walking into the theater, you have to walk through the metal detector and take everything out of your pockets. <laughs> so I had to like, had <laughs> the tickets and the ring in my pocket. And she wanted me to give her to the, her ticket because we got separated going through the line. So I had to like take it out and like go around my back like a globetrotter, like transfer the ring over to the other hand. And it's like she 100% saw it. She totally <laughs> saw it. And then spent the next, like, two months between that and the time I finally did it being like, I saw a ring. What's going on with this? So metal detectors are the worst. <laughs> so you didn't wind up giving it to her that night? Not that night, at no. All. Nope. Called it off for another month. That's a story for That's... another day. But she got it eventually. Eventually she got it. Um, yeah, so metal detectors, man. Metal detectors. So, yeah. So, um, the band. Let's talk about the band. It was put together, this whole, like, shindig, this whole tour. I feel like it... Grew mainly out of um, Mike Garson because he had just done the Aladdin Sane tour. I forget who with, like who was on that one. But uh, basically Mike Garson, Jerry Leonard, Earl Slick. Anyone else of the, the Bowie band uh, alum? Um, yes. Uh, the bass player played with them in the 80s. Yes. Uh, and let's, right. let's dance. Through the magic of editing, we will... Uh, sound like we knew offhand the whole goddamn lineup i have speaking of that swag bag carmine rojas thank you 
Um, so yeah, I think most of the band was people who had played with him at some point. I feel like the drummer also wasn't he from like Earthling era? They, no, uh, no, before they that they didn't get. Uh, the drummer was uh, Earl Slick's kid. Okay. All right. Yes. Oh, oh, and it was uh, the, the night that we went, it was Carmine Rojas' birthday. That's right. So that at the end of the show, they brought out a cake and sang happy birthday. And then, so rounding out the lineup was uh, Gabby Moreno, who is, uh, I wasn't, I, it was a name I had heard before, but I wasn't super familiar with. Uh, where is she from? She is Brazil? Guatemala. Guatemala. She's a Guatemalan uh, singer-songwriter. Um, yeah, blues, jazz, folk. Brilliant vocalist. She was great. She was absolutely incredible. Then uh, Bernard Fowler, who had, um, he previously did a lot of uh, backing vocal work with the Rolling Stones, but like late era Stones, it was Steel Wheels was the first one he did with with Rolling Stones in 1989. Um, He did like Voodoo Lounge, which I remember being their big comeback in 94. The one with Beast of Burden? That's the one with, uh, I love it, my like the line, main line is my love is strong and just so sweet, and like Vic Jagger's giant like stomping through a city. If I remember, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I do remember that. So yeah, he's done a lot of stuff with the Stones. Who else? He worked with uh, Herbie Hancock, Yoko Ono, uh, Sly and Robbie, Public Image Limited. Um, so he's he's worked with a lot of people. He's he's done some things. Cool. The uh, Living Color, Alice Cooper. Yeah, so he's he's worked with a lot of people. Also, this very yeah, another great vocalist, super charismatic. Yeah, really commanded the crowd. Yeah, and then uh, the final vocalist was uh, was Joe Sumner, who you may recognize the last name. His uh, his old man is Gordon Sumner, um, also known as Sting. Sting um, and uh, Joe Sumner, his main gig. I don't know if they're still together now, but he fronted a band called Fiction Plane, whom. I'm trying to remember if I'd seen them or not. I feel like a long time ago, like in the early aughts, they toured with like 311 at some point when I used to go see them a lot. So I think I'd seen them before. Music, they, they're kind of um, kind of reggae jam bandy. They kind of um, first band that pops in my mind as far as like a, a similar would be like Dispatch. I don't know if you've listened to much Dispatch. I used to have a uh, police scanner and I would listen to Dispatch. Constantly. Well, from time to time. Yeah, lots of, lots of good long jams about uh, breaking and entering. No, you're not allowed to jam the scanner. You cannot jam it's, the scanner. It is forbidden. FCC will get on you. You're, very, you're quick and dry today, man. You're in the zone. <laughs> you're locked in. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so they, they, they sound a lot like Dispatch, kind of like jam band reggae. Um, Jamaica Plains own Dispatch. I should I should point Wait, out. So they were they're a band from here, which actually I did not and know Joe they Sumner were from was... JP until uh, no Fiction Plane is not from JP. Oh, f- what are you talking about now? This band that they sound like Dispatch. Okay, Dispatch right. is from JP. Sorry, I'm getting confused. It's all right. It's a lot of weaving <laughs> roads, a um, tangled web we weave. But, uh, yeah, Joe Sumner kind of he sounds a little similar to to Sting. Uh, it's kind of like with Bob Dylan and Jacob Dylan, where like they sound similar enough that you can tell that they're related, but not so much. That it sounds like just a direct trying to sound like their parent. Isn't that weird? It is weird that your voice would be like inherited. It's strange, but it's yeah, they just have a very similar vocal range. It's interesting, and, and then I mean, obviously, there's the the fact that he plays stuff that's got some reggae in it. Like, it's def- <laughs> there's, there's a whole lot of nature versus nurture happening with just one human here. <laughs> Yeah, and it was yeah they were they were a, a brilliant band. So it was a very uh, it was a diverse set, uh, which I 
when you're dealing with an artist with such a wide catalog, it's hard to fit a little bit of everything in. Mm -hmm. And this, it pulled from all the eras. You didn't really go home thinking, oh, I wish I'd heard that song, or I wish I'd heard that song. I can't believe they omitted this. It, it really, it was something for everyone. Well, they, they hit all the eras. I think I was reading an interview with Mike Garson where, or listening to something where he was saying how they chose the set lists, and it, it was precisely that. They were, like, hitting different albums. They wanted to draw some from, like, each each era. And so they picked popular songs from each era. So they picked singles and things, but they also picked things like Conversation Piece and uh, Time, which I guess was a single, but it's it's not, like, one of the big songs right. that you hear. And, of course, they did, like, you know, Let's Dance and Space Oddity and all those. But they did Quicksand. That was a good choice. Yeah. Um, and they started the whole thing off with kind of an obscure one. Favorite of the show, <laughs> Bring Me the Disco King. Bring Me the Disco. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It, that, so I've always found myself debating which way I like a show starting more. Like with a kind of like a, a something loud and punchy to kind of like shake it into it. Or something kind of like slow and like kind of like ease you in. I tend to prefer the former more than the latter, but a lot can be said for doing a, a, a mellow song first. Are there a lot of shows that do that? I've been to a handful. It seemed kind of novel to me, being not experienced in yeah. this kind of thing. I mean, you don't see it a ton if you're going to a band that's got like a mostly heavy mm -hmm. or more up-tempo catalog. Sometimes it just works, though. It is kind of like, a, sometimes it's fun to start with a slow burn. Oddly enough, yeah. not included in the set list. Oddly enough. But I don't know. It, it seemed like a kind of novel way to do it. You, you go to a rock show not thinking that you're going to like start off with just like a piano and vocals, like yeah. spotlight vocals. And, and so before they even started playing, they did explain that they wanted to basically start the show the way he used to end it. Meaning that this is this was like a last song of the encore set. Yeah. Which is another thing. Like that's another spot where traditionally you would finish with a, a kind of a banger. And B, like something really, really popular. Yeah. Like I always say, like if I ever went to go see Journey, I would probably leave before the encore because you know they're ending with Don't Stop Believing. And I've had it with that song. <laughs> so you, in theory, you would expect a show like this to end with like Rebel Rebel or something like that. Something mm -hmm. like up-tempo that everybody knows and loves. Mm -hmm. Instead of when he used to decide, you know, I'm just going to play it. I'm going to close with this super slow jazzy number. I'm David Bowie, and you're going to like it anyway. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's it's the last number on that album, right? It is an album closer. It does a good job of doing that, but yeah. like you said, most shows have something like crazy and wild. But this one, you mentioned Rebel Rebel. It was, uh, that was literally the next song they did. <laughs> so they're sort of going in reverse order. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if Christopher Nolan directed a David Bowie concert. Yeah. And then, obviously, we won't break the whole thing down song by song, but it just so happens that another thing I, I was, that I was amused with on uh, the next song, because they, they played Moon Age Daydream third, was the fact that he kind of flubbed the lyrics in the second verse. I wish I remember how he did it. It was at the, like, you're squawking like a big monkey bird. Yeah. Um, and I feel like he flubbed that and kind of like subbed in a line from like the next verse. And it's literally the same spot when I'm like playing around with that song that I always mess up like that <laughs> same spot in almost the identical way. And it made me feel so much better. Like, ah, even the pro screws up the same part I screw up. And then I feel like when we saw Holy Holy, they played Moon Age Daydream and they flubbed some lyrics. It's the song that is impossible to perform. Apparently. 100%. To get 100% accuracy. Yeah. I think it was that. It was either that or 
Starman. I hope it wasn't Starman because that destroys my whole point. Is there like a rock band like or like a Guitar Hero game with Moon Age Daydream in it? Because it could be like Probably. the expert level. I bet there is. And it's not even it's not even that it's musically complicated. It's just that the lyrics are so weird. Yeah, you just can't you can't wrap your head around them. Yeah, it's I dare anyone to try to sing Moon Age Daydream one hundred percent correct. Yeah, because you're listening to it and it sounds like it should be easy, but it's not. Uh-huh. Listener, you can submit your uh, <laughs> your attempts to podcast at from a to ziggy.com. If we could get like a collection of people's Moon Age Daydream cover videos and then do something with them when we get to Moon Age Daydream. Edit them into a supercut. Yeah. The Moon Age Daydream challenge. Oh, I'm going to marinate on this. It needs a clever name and parameters, but <laughs> we can make it happen. Um, and then, so like we were saying before with the, like insisting on dancing, that was when everyone like just, he was like, I want everyone to get up and dance. And they did fame. Yeah. That was fun. It was fun. Yeah. So that was, that was a good kind of show where like you can kind of get up and dance when you want to dance, but like sit down and, and relax. Yeah. I'm old man. Now when I go to shows, like I used to try to get like way up to the front as close as I could. Yeah. And now I still try to get to the shows early so I can get the spot I want. But now it's like, I want the spot <laughs> on the balcony where I can either a sit down or just be like, have something I can lean on. I put my drink on and like put my stuff down. Rest your weary bones. Yeah. Whenever I go to shows at the Sinclair, I try to get there super early because there's like four tables upstairs. And if I can get a table, it's going to be a really good night. <laughs> so I can just like sit down during like the bands I'm not as excited about. I can hang out and have my drink, put my jacket on the chair. If it's cold, which it always is. Um, not enough people in those clubs. Yeah. Being old, going to shows, man. It's not, you don't, you don't want, you don't want the front barricade in the ribs anymore. You just get tired of it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, Try not to go song by song, but the very next one is, was Joe Sumner's first turn on the mic. I thought he did a great job with changes. Yeah, that's and that really they they really picked songs that showcased each singer's um, talent. Yeah, and I feel like they they picked a group of lead singers that kind of individually hosted you know one or more of David Bowie's qualities, but as a group they sort of covered. Yeah. A lot of it. Like Bernard Fowler was the, um, you described him, uh, the party. Like he had a command of the crowd. Yeah. Kind of like, like a, like a thin white Duke kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And then Joe Sumner had like the, uh, vibrant, like cheery. Like it, like, yeah, he was grinning like. from ear to ear. Very, uh, serious moonlight era <laughs> on stage. Yeah. And Gabby Moreno, I don't know, I guess she, she had a, Different vocal range. She she took the higher ones, right? Yeah. Like, uh, which ones did she do? Uh, let's see. So she did the higher and the and the more like um, uh, really dynamic songs, like where he really had to belt out. Yeah. Did she do Life on Mars? No, it was Joe Sumner. Oh, oh, that's right. That was really cool. That's right. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. He pulled it off. He did. Because that's a song even Bowie was uh, hesitant to do later on. After his voice changed, yeah, I don't know if you know this, but in the in your mid fifties, you uh you go through puberty again. It's you know it's a crapshoot seeing like older artists. It really is. Like I remember I I, I remember seeing Robert Plant and thought he sounded amazing when I saw him, and he was in his fifties or maybe even been in sixties. Then uh, a couple of years ago, I saw The Offspring, and like their singer was only like in his forties, and it was already going. Hmm. Well, to be fair, all of their songs have this sort of prepubescent whine. Yeah to them it's kind of hard to pull that off after after yeah. 25 
and yeah, and I spent a lot of time on YouTube watching like legacy artists and stuff, and it's like, yeah, you get it's it's a range. It's definitely a range. So Gabby, we were talking about Gabby Moreno. Yeah, remember at one point there's this one song where she hit one high note and it just like dropped everyone's jaw. And I'm trying to remember which song it was. Was in. it Five Years? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, because that one that one ends with like yeah. lots of like histrionics. Yeah, and the way she was able to sustain it was just like, oh yeah. my god. Yeah. So she had, by that point, she'd already done Space Oddity and Conversation Piece and crushed them both. But five years was whenever she finally was like grabbed the crown and was like, you're mine now. Yeah. She, she, yeah, she had complete command. Complete command. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was impressive. It was very impressive. Um, what was your one song that night that you were like, oh, my God, I hope I hear this tonight. And then you heard it and, you're, and it just like... Um, face I don't know. There's not really one that I was expecting to hear, but there were several that really got me like five years. I was really not expecting to care much about it. Cause I'll be honest, everything from Ziggy Stardust is kind of overplayed for me. Like I've, I've heard five years enough, you know? Uh, yeah. I agree with that. Uh, even, even live versions of it. It's like, okay, it's a good song. Been there, but that, Especially where it came in the set, uh, just being that climax, that was really cool. And I wasn't expecting to hear Station to Station at all. I never would have dreamed that they would play Quicksand or a Conversation Piece. So just like, especially those sort of more obscure ones. Yeah. I kind of spoiled Conversation Piece for myself because... So a bad habit that I have is when I'm going to see a band, sometimes I will go on, there's websites where you get like set lists from previous shows and I'll like take a look at what they've been playing, get an idea of what to expect because I've, I have in the past gone to shows and been like, I want to hear this song. This is like, ah, oh, I need to hear the song tonight. And then I don't hear it. And it just like spoils the night for me. Mm. Like I remember going to see Foo Fighters back in 2000. It was the first time I'd ever seen them. And I really, really, really wanted to hear Alone and Easy Target. It's like one of my favorite Foo Fighters songs. And they didn't play it. And it even though it was a great show, but I was so bummed that they didn't play it. So now like, you can kind of look at the set list and be like, you can make your expectations more realistic mm-hmm. and not really feel like you're going home disappointed that you're not hearing the song you want to hear because you're not expecting to hear it anyway. But the flip side of that is sometimes you'll see something like, like a real deep cut like conversation piece dropped in and it's not as surprising because you see like oh they've actually played this a few times on this tour um it doesn't really come out of left field hmm. um so yeah i saw i had seen that they were playing that every show but one song that i had seen that they've been playing sporadically that i was super thrilled to hear uh well station to station i was like also was in that in that lane too where i was like yes <laughs> uh but stay I, I they've been playing it off and on and i was really excited that they played it at this one yeah that song's a lot of fun that's a song that's grown on me recently such a weird song but we'll we'll talk about it yeah eventually eventually <laughs> in like 2020 um, yeah so yeah those were definitely those were those were definitely highlights did they play half of station to station the album is it um, station to station stay and they did Wild as the Wind. So almost half. A well-represented album. Yeah. Rightfully so. Uh, actually, here's, here's something. I went in expecting, uh, wanting to hear uh, Mike Garson play and wanting to hear him just go all out on a piano solo. And so when they got to Aladdin Sane, which of course he has talked about 
many times has told the story about how he came up with the solo for that song. And at first it wasn't working for Bowie. And, and then he tried something else and that wasn't it either. And Bowie said, do something more avant-garde. And he told this whole story. Right yeah. It was really neat to hear him tell the story because we, we read it and discussed it when we did Latin <laughs> Saints. So it was really, really neat to hear the man himself tell the story. Yeah. And so he, there he is. He's, he's telling us this whole thing and, and he goes into Aladdin Sane. And then for the, the last part for the piano solo, he does what he does in the song on the album. Like uh, he quotes tequila, right? And he quotes Broadway on Broadway. Is that the song? Is that from a musical or something? Uh, somewhere there's a nerd shaking their fist. <laughs> That's going on the trope. Oh list. man, I'm gonna have to drop a Bitcoin in the trope jar. But so then, yeah, during the solo, I think they played out the song. They played the whole song, and then they left Mike Garson to do his thing. And so he he just sort of played a whole bunch of stuff, and he was sort of doing the, that jazzy kind of thing where where he he takes a theme, an element from a song and from a pop song, and it's like modifies it so he was doing all this Gershwin and he was doing what else you know I meant to write all this stuff down but he did like either an American in Paris or uh, what's the other big one Rhapsody in Blue you know and he's like pulling all this stuff out and he did uh, like Rachmaninoff or something it's like all these crazy like classical and pop quotes and just, and throwing them in it was really it was like it was crazy it was crazy Fun to watch. Yeah. Amazing. So he had his showcase with Aladdin Sane. Uh, Jerry Leonard had his, his showcase with his version of Loving the Alien, which is a song that they pulled out during a reality tour. Which is a song that like, I've never really been like super into, but I really liked his version. Yeah. And he sings it. He, he did the whole thing solo. He did the whole thing where he uh, like takes a, a guitar part and loops it, plays over that, and plays around with all of that. Oh, you know, it was kind of on my, like, I was expecting this, but it didn't happen. I could have sworn, so I, I had read that they, like, had guest appearances every so often, like, pretty big-name people. And I thought I had read that uh, Angelo Moore from Fishbone was going to appear because he does a, a David Bowie tribute, too. But there was there was none. I was very disappointed. You know who, el- who was a guest musician that night? Was uh, Mike Garson's grandson, Max. Do you remember oh the, my gosh! Yes, when he came the, out and played drum, uh, bongos. Yeah. Yes. Oh man. On Let's Dance, wasn't it? Yeah. I forgot about that part. That that was adorable. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was really funny. Uh, I had this like again one of those like I'm holy crap I'm a lot older than I realized moments when I uh, Abby and I went to go see uh, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and they did their annual Christmas show. And uh, it's the the guy that just dances basically his 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 job in the Boston is is Boston. Kind of like the spaz attack of kind of like spaz attack. Could call that's what they call a callback. That might be a trope too, actually. But uh, yeah, I remember uh, Ben Carr had his kid come out and like I think he like played guitar on one song. So I was like, oh my god, the bands that I went to go see when I was in middle school have kids that are the age I was when I started to go see them in middle school. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um yeah that was that was that was super cute and amusing uh yeah and, you know and and something that like and it always adds to the experience of the show is when you can tell like they're just, they were genuinely just having a really good time up there like you can tell they just really are just a group of people who could be doing that you know they've 
they've made their money. They're they've got their own projects, but like they just wanted to get together and do something fun. Just go out and just have fun, jamming on some songs by an artist that they adore. It was a good show. It was a very good show. Thank you for going with me. Thank you on for this journey. Taking me to that show. That was incredible. Yeah, it was an amazing show. And yeah, I, I really I, I really can't get past it, like how just whenever you're seeing a band or at least a tribute to a band that you know has a lot of hits it's really easy to just go out there and do like a greatest hit set list because there's always someone there that like that's what they want to hear like i remember when i saw tom petty at bonnaroo like five years ago i didn't have spotify yet so i wasn't able to like go through and like do the deep dives like i'm able to do with artists now so like you know I wanted to hear American Girl. I wanted to hear uh, Into the Great Wide Open. Like, I had my list of songs. I was like, I want to hear this song. Even though everyone else, you know, all the people that are there because they love, love Tom Petty, want to hear the deep cuts. But then, like, I go, like, when I went to see Foo Fighters at Fenway a couple years ago and I wanted to hear deep cuts and it was just like all the stuff you hear on the radio all the time. And it's like, it's really hard to strike a balance and make everyone happy. And I think they just, that's, this is a template that every, classic rock band should follow you can play all the, a, a lot of the hits and throw in the stuff that like the, the diehards want to hear yeah you know say can't play them all you know reminds me when i saw the um I, I went to see the zombies on their 50th anniversary tour and some jackass behind me was like shouting at these guys as if he was entitled to like request songs that they should play and he shouts out loudly the way i feel tonight which is not even the name of a song. First of all, he got the title wrong. Secondly, it's like don't don't make requests. Yeah. They are not your pet monkeys. I mean, I I definitely I've seen times where it's worked, <laughs> but it's rare. Usually it's just annoying. Thirdly, nobody likes that song. <laughs> I mean, it's a good song, yeah. but it's not like yeah. something to play at a show. <laughs> a, few, a couple of months ago I went to go see G Love and Special Sauce. And I wish I could remember which song. I want to say it was Cold Beverage. Um, they played it. And then like an hour later, someone was yelling like, Cold Beverage! I'm like, dude, we just played that. <laughs> We're not going to play it again. <laughs> so general rules for a concert going, if you don't want people near you to want to punch you in the head, don't request songs that they've already played. <laughs> don't shout out, like, don't yell out like the singles. Like, that's stupid. If you're at like... Well, like, for example, when I went to go see Tom Petty, I wasn't going to stand there and be like, Free Fallen, play Free Fallen. Yeah, it's a Tom Petty show. He's going to play Free Fallen. <laughs> Keep your pants on. Relax. Like, don't do that. If it's the most popular song, you're going to hear it. Chill. And third, don't yell. For, I, if I hear one more person yell Freebird at a show, <laughs> I swear to God, I can't be held accountable for my actions. Like, I feel like that should be, like, you know how... When people talk about like free speech, it's like, yes, it's limited, but you like you can say what you want, but it's illegal to yell fire in a crowded theater. I yeah. think that should also cover yelling free bird at literally anything. Free speech, no free bird. Yes. Yes, free speech, yes, no free, free speech, bird. No free bird. I'm fine with hearing free bird. It's a great song, especially like the last two minutes, but oh God, stop. <laughs> so not what every actor should do is just play free bird yeah. at the beginning of every show. Yeah mandatory free bird you'll, you'll still hear it because people because <laughs> then it's going to violate two rules on your list can we violate all three yes if you go to a, who does free bird leonard, leonard skinner yeah, yeah go to go to leonard skinner show because they're still playing and request free bird yeah. after they've already opened the show with yeah. it yeah uh, 
Rebirth. Leonard's going to really get back together. Let's do a reunion tour. We must have the technology for that by now. If only we Zom- did. Zombie Ronnie Van Zant. <laughs> Would it be Zombie Ran- Z- Van Zant or <laughs> Robbie Van Zombie? <laughs> <laughs> and this bird you cannot brains. <laughs> <laughs> Unsubscribe. <laughs> so that was a, that was yeah that was that was a damn good show. Um, so one of the most interesting and exciting things that happened during the show was actually after the show was even over. Yes, we uh, got 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 to meet some rock and rollers. We got to shake hands with Jerry Leonard and Mike Garson. Yeah, they were delightful. Yeah, they they were super cool. Smaller bands usually do that kind of stuff, like jump behind and start slinging merch and talking yeah. to people. But like they were right out there. Yeah, that was they great. Were very patient and friendly and super awesome. Took and all the selfies, signed all the posters. Yeah, shook all the hands. And the whole band was like you were saying; they just really seemed like they were having a good time. Yeah, and uh, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that like Earl Slick is the most like rock and roll dude. I like <laughs> he just like looks like the embodiment of like rock and roll gunslinger like sunglasses at night like disheveled <laughs> hair like jacket guitar slung low just yeah we were talking about the showcases for the other two but he had like all of his all of his all, every, almost every song had some solo from yeah. Earl Slick. it was a good night it was a very good night. i left feeling really really good really happy about uh about the whole thing like um hearing the music talking to those guys every aspect of it Live music, man. You gotta go to more shows. So it's all. I, I was reading a thing the other day. There was a study that said. I don't. Know, I mean, I don't know how rooted in good science it is. But it was like I feel like it was a, like a reputable source that it came out. It was like Vox, I want to say some some actual news source put out an article that was like, if you go see live music every two weeks, it adds to your lifespan or something because it's just like the endorphins and. Hmm. It's true. It's a great experience. I mean, there's a lot of things that suck about going to shows. It's like they always end later than you want them to. It's a lot of standing around sometimes, a lot of getting sweated on. Sometimes you're going to get a drink spilled on you. But it's a magical communal experience. It's why it's one of the few things I will happily part with money for. Hmm. It's like all I'm doing this summer is just like going to shows. I just bought tickets to go see Cake the other day. David Byrne is playing, and I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna do it. He's playing with Cake. No, I wish. Uh, I bet David Byrne would record an album with Cake, meaning literally, like with the with, food, with the cake. Yeah, playing, he absolutely would playing with it, making yeah. squishy sounds and the sound of that. Sh- that should be on his new. His new album is called American Utopia. And there's nothing more American than playing the cake. <laughs> it's American as apple cake. <laughs> you know that old saying. <laughs> Um, should we rate the show? Uh, is this show, is this episode canon? Should we do that? Or is it not canon? So we don't, this is, is one this of like the, Treehouse of horrors kind of a situation. This is the, this is a sideline story. Like, uh, this is Rogue like the one. star Wars movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can rate it, but not numerically. How about that? Okay. Give it a qualitative qualitative. Yeah. Um, it was rainbows and. Sunshine puppies. It was it was Rainbow Sunshine's puppies. Uh, it was I think it might have even been my first concert of the year, and it was a very fitting way to kick off the year. Here's how I quantitate. It was I think one of the highest forms of praise you can give to a show when you live up here is that it was worth to it was worth a, a one hour on the bus 
or on the train to a bus in the middle of February. <laughs> like if you're going out and it's like 20 degrees out and you have to transfer from trains to buses and you don't really know that part of the city and it's still worth it. That's a good show. Yes, I I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would I would have transferred to a third bus <laughs> if I had to for that show. To that a station sh- to a station. I would have added a station. That show was so good. Great show. Bloody good show. Rainbows and sunshine puppies. And worth sitting through transfers on the T. Transfers on the, on the, on the public transit. In the middle of February, having to get up and go to work the next morning. That's yeah. like the trifecta of if this show is mediocre, it's going to make for a salty person. Not, not even just me, just in general, as a quantitative value. No salty. Uh, you, All sweet. You, and you, get a, you go to work early. Not as early as you do. I go to work really early. Yeah. But you do too, right? Yeah. Sometimes. I'm usually getting up when you have to be there. I had to, I had to get up really early the next morning, and I was not displeased with my having stayed up to, to watch this and journey back. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, if, uh, if if they happen to be uh, still touring and passing through your through your locale, you should absolutely see them. They will make you very, they'll make you happy. You will hear a little bit of everything. <laughs> like the Partridge family, they will make you happy. They'll make you happy. Oh, we probably don't own the race of that, so I can't do that. So put, the, <laughs> that, put another Bitcoin in the trope jar. Uh, yeah, celebrating David Bowie is what they were known as then. They, are, they have now, they have since rebranded themselves and they're touring again. Yes, I think. It's it's like another yeah another tour altogether, but they're called a David Bowie celebration uh-huh. now. It's very uh, Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except this won't suck as bad as Jefferson Starship. This city is built on much firmer foundations. Yeah, I know. If it, you know, honestly, if there's anything we learned, yeah, if we learned anything from Katrina, that is that you cannot build a city entirely on rock and roll. It's not safe. I mean, what what are you thinking? <laughs> Like who? Who's the who approved that? Like, who, what safety inspector was like? This is this is fine. It's in the name itself, rock and roll. It's gonna. It's it's just. It's not stable. It's not. Poorly it's done. moving all over the place. This is what happens when you get rid of regulations. <laughs> um, so how do we end a show Let's, that's not canon? Um, ended abruptly. Ended abruptly. <laughs> give it the old. Uh, <laughs> give it the Sopranos treatment. Um, Oh, shoot. What was the song that was playing? Goddamn, Don't Stop Believing." <laughs> oh, man. That's another callback. <laughs> Trope jar. <laughs> uh, yeah. So go go see a David Bowie celebration. Or just if they're not coming, just go go spend your money on music. Go to live music is the moral of the story. It's the best thing you can spend your money on. Food, shelter, live music. Not necessarily in that order. Not necessarily in that order. Um, till then, this is this is for me to Ziggy. Don't stop believing. I should have left before the encore. <laughs>